What's up, everybody, and welcome to episode 258 of the Talking Chop podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland. It is Saturday evening, and the Braves fell to the Dodgers earlier this evening. And now we look ahead to Game 7, the pivotal win-or-go-home scenario on Sunday. Here to break it all down with me, as often, Eric Cole is here. Hello, sir. All I'm saying is that my prediction for the series is very much in play now. So is mine, unfortunately. Um, oh, uh, oh, you got you got you got the Dodgers in seven. Yeah, I think Scott and I both landed on on that. Um, but you know, we're not surprised, broadly speaking. Why why you say that? Because obviously the last two games were not great, and we'll discuss tonight and the situation. But it is a little bit fitting that this series is going to go seven games. I will say that. Um, at least speaking for myself, these are two very good baseball teams. They are closely matched in a way that. I think the Dodgers were favored coming into the series, of course, but with the way the Braves played early on, it is kind of fitting, although unfortunate for Atlanta, that this is going seven, and we will see what happens. It's going to be very, very weird, I think, on Sunday, but I was going to ask you for your broad takeaway. Is that it? Like, we're just going to kind of be there now, and this is uh, it, 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 all, it all comes down to this is basically the most obvious takeaway in the world. Yeah, I mean, look, the, by, by the numbers, you know, picking the Dodgers in six was probably the probably the correct math move. I mean, like if you just, you know, thought the Braves were just better than what their predictions were, you still probably pick the Dodgers in seven. Like just, if we're just picking strictly by the numbers. Um, and I mean, the order in which those wins happens, you know, kind of doesn't matter in a lot of ways. You know, we've been saying forever that like, Hey, the Dodgers, like this series is not over. The Dodgers are not going to go quietly. Uh, this team is very, very good. Um, and you know, Max Fried found that out in the first inning because he was, you know, all of a sudden, they were jumped. They jumped all over him. Now, fortunately, he, you know, settled things down. But the offense couldn't get going. And, you know, I've certainly been very consistent of the fact that this the, the Braves' chances in the in these playoffs live and die by whether or not the offense shows up, because they kind of squeaked out of that that red series, which they very easily could have lost, um, because the offense wasn't there. You know, and then during the Marlins series, and for chunks of this series too. The you know the offense has been there, but for the last couple of games it's been you know lacking in a lot of ways. Um, I don't think that there was anything that they could really do anything for you know <laughs> in the in the fifteen to three game. But it's a situation where ultimately that it's going to come down to whether or not the offense shows up tomorrow. Because I think Ian's going to pitch reasonably well, but I think it's unfair to expect to get the kid to throw seven shutout innings against the Dodgers because that lineup is incredible. Uh, I have yet to see extended evidence that Corey Seager can have a bad game um, based on what he's done to the Braves. And, you know, it's going to come down to who makes plays. The Dodgers made more tonight. And, you know, ultimately if the Braves offense shows up, because I think that the, the bullpen is going to be good. I think the pitching is going to be pretty good overall. Uh, but you can't just score two runs against this Dodgers team and win. You just can't. Yeah. And it's interesting. And we'll, we'll obviously dive into what happened a little bit on Saturday, but to your point there, this is a team in the Braves that was a top two offense along with the Dodgers this season in the National League. So, you know, it, it might seem crazy to suggest that the offense is the biggest concern. But after a game like this, and um, at times it's obviously been a little bit hot and cold in this series, but make no mistake, after the after the first inning, there was a notion out there that this is going to be a, uh, a pitching letdown and whatever else. But with the way that Freed settled in, with the way the bullpen pitched in this game, there is no question whatsoever this this was an offensive loss in Game 6. Now, you know, scoring one run, that makes it pretty obvious, but 
it just the narrative shifted during the game to where uh, it felt like it was going to be oh no this story about run prevention and suddenly they didn't score the rest of the game and the Braves had nine hits they had as many hits as the Dodgers did in this game they just could not capitalize in key spots and uh, we'll go through sort of what transpired here but uh, I, I agree with you I think the offense is the pivot point which is a little bit bizarre to say but uh, it feels like that's going to be the case for game seven which will end of course the podcast on tonight um you mentioned Freed. I mentioned Freed. Let's talk about him for a second. Obviously, he gives up three runs in the first inning on Saturday. Unfortunate, clearly. Um, a one-out homer by Seager. Seager is still slugging over 1,000 in the series, which is just outrageous. And then uh, seconds later, Justin Turner hits another home run to go back-to-back, and it's 2 nothing in the blink of an eye, quite honestly. Um, Freed then walks Muncy, gives up a single to Will Smith. It's first and third, and then Bellinger has an RBI single, and it's 3 nothing in, what, six batters. So, obviously, that's the start that everyone would want to forget, including Max Freed, and uh, there was the bullpen was warming up, and Snicker acknowledged that, and it was clear on the broadcast. They had guys, they had a guy warming up in the bullpen for Max Freed in the first inning of this game. Um, and to fast forward a little bit before I bring you in for your opinion on Freed, the fact that he was able to throw as long and as well as he did was a, a pretty significant upset when you when you go back to where they were after you know five or six batters in this game. The fact that Free was able to go into the seventh and really post a line that was not great in terms of its efficiency, but six and two thirds innings, three earned runs is supposed to be enough to at least at least have you in the game, and he did that. I mean, he did the uh, it was not the traditional route of doing so, but he buckled in and gave him a chance. Yeah, this Dodgers first innings for our stars against this Dodgers offense have just been really problematic. If I mean they haven't always like given up the runs, but all three of those guys know how to work at bats and like throw a lot of and the guys throw a lot of pitches because like that's what happened to Max in the first game too. He threw a bunch of pitches in the first inning. He settled down after the fact after after that, but you know it's just kind of they always kind of make you grind out these at bats, especially early on, to make you work for whatever your trying your game plan is going to be. Uh, and make you make adjustments because they seem to always have a really good game plan going into these first innings. And look, I mean, again, you know, Corey Seager's on the heater to end all heaters right now. Uh, Justin Turner's been hitting the ball hard all series. Those were two solo home runs. And then obviously, you know, the next three batters were is almost where I've had a bigger problem just because, you know, after giving up those two solo home runs, like having to throw a bunch of pitches just to give up another run and then finally get out of it, you know, all of a sudden you're, you've thrown a bunch of pitches and you're you're really in the hole too and it kind of puts yourself in a bad position where, you know, maybe you're going to have to really tax your bullpen, you know, in, in a game where that you just absolutely can't do that. Um, but, you know, Max settled in and made the adjustments that he needed to and kind of had a few easy innings kind of after that, so... Overall, very good. Uh, but obviously, when you're watching the when you're watching this unfold, you know, in a game where you really can't have that happen, and you really want to kind of just you're trying to finish off a team, and they all of a sudden start getting hot offensively, and they're stringing together hits here and there. It, it felt like it could, a game that could have gotten away from the Braves, uh, but as it turns out, it wasn't. Right. I mean, in, in the moment, I had visions. I'm sure a lot of people did of you know Josh Tomlin throwing four innings tonight and having to just kind of. Yeah. go into, you know, uh, sort of arbitrage mode. Uh, and that didn't happen, thankfully, for everyone involved. And, the, you know, the big thing is, obviously, obviously, this is a loss. No one, no one wants a loss in this spot. But what Free was able to do was, A, give them a chance to win, which they didn't end up pulling off, but B, was save the bullpen. And I know it's a talking point yeah. that's been, at, you know, 
analyze ad nauseum on this podcast and other places, but in a, in a series where you're playing every day, um, the fact that they, that they only had to use two relievers in this game, and one of which was Darren O'Day, who threw five pitches. Uh, Chris Martin threw 30 pitches, but everybody else had the day off. And looking ahead a little bit to tomorrow's game, Brian Sicker said, sort of matter-of-factly after the game, that the entire bullpen, and maybe even more than that, is available in Game 7. And that wouldn't, have, that wouldn't have been the case. If they had had to go and find seven innings tonight from the bullpen, which honestly almost happened. Like, we were probably probably yep. within a batter or two, batter maybe two away from Freed leaving the game in the first. And he threw six and two-thirds innings. That is a huge swing. I don't want, I don't want to overstate it either because they lost this game. But having all of your arms available in the event that you need them in game seven is not a small thing. Yeah. And I think, I think that like that combined with the fact that I understand the Braves lost this game and yeah. the, 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 the takes on no fun. Twitter, were all, <laughs> all, I mean, like my mentions are, I mean, like I'm, I'm, I'm just shouting into the void in a lot of the, for a lot of this. Cause I understand how Braves fans feel about this sort of thing because there's a, but the, for me, there's a difference between like poor execution leading to a loss and just having really crappy luck. And the Braves made hard contact all night. It's not that, like, everyone's like this, like, I, I like, like actual creden- credentialed writers are like, wow, that was a terrible approach. On balls that are hit that have an expected batting average over 700, like, wow, that was a terrible approach from this guy. I'm not going to call out specific guys because, you know, some of them I actually kind of like his people, but the Braves were just hitting balls hard. They were just hitting them right at guys, or in some cases, not right at guys, but those guys were making insane plays anyway. I'm looking at you, Mookie Betts. I'm looking at you, <laughs> Jock Peterson. Like, those, like, it's just, these things just were happening. I mean, look, and Mookie's an insane baseball player, and when you're playing against a team this good, I mean, Cody Bellinger's another guy who's been stealing hits all, all series too, right? That you're going against a really good defensive team who's also lining up really well. So some of these, like, you know, expected batting average type things, you know, it's not quite the same because, you know, you're not dealing with the expected fielder out there either. But, I mean, like, that play that Mookie made was insane. You know what I mean? The play that Jock made in the ninth inning where, like, Austin hit a rocket. I mean, like, what are you going to do? You know what I mean? Like, those are the, when, when nothing falls, then, yeah, you're going to have a rough time. But the Braves should have scored three or four runs in this game simply because of just sheer dumb batted ball luck. Yeah, I mean, they get they get nine hits. Um, you 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 alluded to it there, but broadly speaking, I made these notes after the fifth inning. I'm sure they might have even changed. I, I apologize for having this only through five, but per Statcast, this is the first time all season that the Braves had three outs on quote unquote barrels. So the ball was barreled up by hitters, and they made three outs in one game on barrels, and that happened in five innings. That hadn't happened all season long in a full game, and they did it in five innings. Also, in the first five innings. They had 10, 10 hard hit balls, which was the most against Walker Bueller in, a, in any start all season long. And the Braves, through five innings, had no runs. Like, yep. some of that's bad execution, some of that's bad timing. You know, singles were singles over and over again, etc. You know, the Braves have some blame in there as well. It wasn't just bad luck, but the fact that you really hit the ball hard throughout the night and looking ahead a little bit to later. The only guy who scored in this game reached on a triple that was not a hard hit ball, which makes it even funnier. Like just the way that baseball is cruel in that way. Um, both both hit, both extra base hits in the seventh inning. First the triple, and then the double that was that brought him along. Neither of those were actually hit that hard. And 
after the Braves had hit the ball hard all night long, it's just a reminder that baseball is a bizarre and weird and awesome and also dreadful sport. So yeah. it's just it's a weird one, man. I mean, I don't want to I don't want to I don't want to assign all of this to luck. But I said this throughout the game, like it had a distinct feel of just one of those nights and it's a bad time to have one of those nights, but a lot of things went wrong in a lot of different ways. You have Ozzy Albies running out of the baseline on a weird play where the ball is dropped. There's just all kinds of things, both mental and execution and luck and great opponents all coming together in a just a maddening uh, stew of what transpired. Yeah, and it just like it's. I guess it's more me combating the well. The, the Braves just aren't up for the moment. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, that's, like, that's silly. Pre- I think. Yeah. Yeah, like you know, like oh well, here they go. They're, they're on the precipice of the World Series. Never mind the fact that they've advanced through two rounds of the playoffs, which haven't happened in twenty years. And it, like, there's just a segment of the fan base that's just completely forgotten that that's happened, uh, and that was a, already a big deal. And now they're going against the, one of the best teams in the land, and are still in a very good position to win this world, win this series. I mean, is it is it a lot harder now that it's a game seven? Absolutely it is. Uh, but I would take my bullpen's the status of my bullpen over what the, the Dodgers is right now. You know what I mean? It's just it's frustrating because there there were some execution errors. Like, you know, I just don't think Ozzy saw where that ball was was coming in when, you know, he That was a very did, weird play and yeah, I, 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 I hesitate think, to I think pile he was on just there. thrown out. Yeah, he thought yeah. he was out. And it, I mean, I, I yeah. get that it's better that you just run through the bag and do what you're supposed to do there. But I have a hard time like getting super upset with what yeah. happened in that spot. Like it should have been an out number one, and he just thought he was out. He didn't know he didn't know where the ball was. And yeah, it, it looks bad. And and, and but... Bueller was like right there. And if he like runs into him, it's you know it's like the whole thing. I mean, like I I kind of get it. You know what I mean? Like me I'm, too. I, I just, it, it, look, it was it's definitely frustrating. When, like we're watching from but like from his angle though, he just assumed that like Bueller caught the ball. You know what I mean? And he, from and he's just running, trying not to run over the guy and. It, again, just a lot of like simple little frustrating things combined with some really good execution from the Dodgers combined with some like, again, some dumb luck that doesn't feel like a choke that me. It just feels like there were two really good teams and like a couple minor things just didn't go like like two different batted balls in this game. Like the, the, the luck changes on those like change the outcome of this game drastically. Yeah. I and mean, that, that's that's baseball in some ways, but yeah. back back to the point you brought up about just the overarching feeling of doom in some circles, and just to take and some of that's just built in. It's it's sports, and the opinions are all over the place. Sure, um, I wanted a little bit of a rant during the game because um, I saw just the timeline kind of just shift in a really negative. Not everybody, but in a really like doomsday direction. And on one hand, trust me, I, I get it. I, I am not known for my overarching pessim. Uh, sorry, optimism and. In terms of the way that I approach sports, especially Atlanta sports, I, I totally get. Trust me, if you're if you're a fan of multiple Atlanta teams, and not everybody is, um, there are Braves fans that are not other Atlanta sports fans. That's part of the appeal uh, of this the, team, um, and the, the national uh, appeal at one yep. point, and all that stuff. But uh, go ahead. I was about to say I'm one of them. Uh, yeah, you know, I mean, like, I mean, like, I don't have anything. I don't have anything against like the Hawks or anything because, like, you know, sure. like, I grew up an I grew up a Knicks fan, and that's like a that's a pain that I'm not willing to subject myself to as an adult. But, <laughs> but um, it's, like, it's not. It's just not. It's not everybody, and and you're and you're a good example of that. But you know, there's obviously a lot of crossover between Falcons and or Hawks and or uh, UGA football is a big one. I'm not a UGA football fan, but there's obviously tons of those, and they've been kind of snake bitten at times and all that stuff. Regardless, there's this Atlanta sports narrative, and part of it is that they've earned it with some meltdowns at different times. Sure. But 
I mean, this is still in that moment in the middle of this game. Yes, the Braves were losing, but they were still winning the series. Um, it's just kind of fatalistic for fatalism's sake in some circumstances. Like, yeah, they they lost this game. They could have won this game at, at various moments. Baseball's just so weird, and yeah, it felt like at times I could totally understand some fatalism in this spot with the way things went. There were some really unfortunate circumstances, also some really unfortunate execution, and you know, for a lot of this game in the middle, it did feel like the Braves' offense without trying to be too narrative-y here, it felt like they were not taking great plate appearances at times. It felt like they were not terribly inspired at times. There wasn't a lot of emotion at times. I don't want to make, I don't want to make too, make too much of that. Cause that's not really what we do on the show, but it all kind of came together in the middle innings. Uh, and that's unfortunate. I just, and you know, and then I think almost peaking with the fact that Betts robs Ozuna in the fifth and essentially the Braves are one foot. If, if, if that ball goes one foot, further or one foot to the right it's probably over the fence and it's three to two at a bare minimum it probably isn't caught by most people and it becomes a double and they score one run and bets does bets things he's a top five player in the league and he robs you and it's that's when like the the sky is already falling and then it starts to fall even more so i don't like i'm not even, I'm not even sure what my point is i just think that there's always going to be this balance between trying to be level-headed and trying to talk through it but baseball in particular man the narratives build and it's unfortunate but it's such a random sport in a lot of ways and I don't say random as to say the better team doesn't win all that stuff but if you just go you know batter by batter game by game it's hard to find a more random sport than baseball yep. uh, weird just, shit ha- right weird shit can't, happens in small samples it can't predict does. can't predict ball is a uh, is a is a fun thing but it's it's because it's true um, so yes, a lot of things went wrong for the Braves in this game between luck and execution, et cetera. But, uh, as game seven looms here, nothing that we're going to say or do is going to impact the outcome either. It's, there's always the fun, the funny stuff about like, you know, yeah. this, this tweets, the reason why the Braves lost, like, okay, I, I, I get that we're all kidding, but it's just kind of funny. I don't know, man. I think that it's a new day tomorrow. I think the Braves with a break here or there could have won this game or at least sent this game to extra innings or something like that. And they didn't. So that's just a whole lot of me saying weird things, but I, I just feel like it was uh, something that I wanted to discuss at least briefly with you, just the way that people are feeling. And it also is really illuminating as to how people think. Like I, we, we both, we both follow a lot of people that follow this Braves team and a lot of people just think about stuff differently. Um, we are probably in the more analytically inclined uh, viewpoint on the team. And as a result, sure. probably go a little bit away from the narrative stuff. But it's been kind of fascinating to me how people have approached this. And unfortunately, going from 3-1 to 3-3 is a way to sort of put the microphone uh, the microphone up to 11 on a lot of this stuff. Well, yeah, I mean, like, I had people, like, tweeting at me, like, you know, like, already saying, like, you know, is this is this the start of the, of the next narrative where the Braves simply can't close out and win the big one? And I'm like, we haven't even played Game 7 yet. Nope. You know what I mean? And like and this is a team that just advanced through two rounds of the playoffs. I mean, like, who picked the Braves to win this series? Like, other than Braves fans, who picked them? Uh no one. I mean, not no, even I not, not even you know, I did. You know, you know, <laughs> very, very like like I mean, I picked them in seven, but some of that was kind of just like a, a gut pick and there's kind of a certain heart to that as well. But I also kind of want to highlight the fact that like I think these teams are pretty well matched. But this Todgers seems really freaking good. Yep. And I think that 
people need to understand that there's another team on the other side of the field that's trying to do stuff too. It's not as simple as just the Braves do what they're supposed to do and then they'll win, and then they didn't. You know what I mean? Like, you know, tell that to Corey Seager. You've I've seen a couple perfect pitches made to that guy, and he hit them 450 feet. Like, I'm just not. You know, it's just a couple. It's just a situation where this is a very good team. It was never going to go quietly, and there's just people who are just caught up in this narrative because they got they got hurt by in other sports or in you know in the '90s when the Braves had, were getting beat up by Yankees by Yankees teams that were pretty good too. You know, yes, there are certain horror stories as Atlanta sports team sports teams fans that I understand and I empathize with that. Trust me, I, same... I, I can I can attest. <laughs> I am I am an yeah. Atlanta sports fan. I, I get it. I promise. Yeah. But in terms of like the development of this team over the course of the last three years and like how much better they have gotten over the course of that three years and what this team has accomplished this year, like people have just forgotten it and they just don't care. And like, I just think it's like completely dishonest and it's a little silly. You know what I mean? Like if you ask those same people before the series, who were they going to pick? They would probably pick the Dodgers. Yeah. And now they're upset that it might actually happen. And it's not because, and, you know, look, there's been some execution stuff that's, like, certainly cost the Braves. I, I will not disagree with that at all. I mean, like, there have been at times where the Braves just got beat on the field because that's what happens in a seven-game series against the best team in baseball, the best team in baseball. But the Braves have done a lot of out-executing the Dodgers, too. And, again, there's just the, – the narrative is dishonest because they just haven't been paying attention, I guess is the short version of the story. Yeah, and, you know, not not, not always, but I, I do think that – um, it's easy to forget. And I'm, I'm speaking again as someone who follows Atlanta sports closely, and um, you know Falcons especially, and all this stuff recently. But it, it's easy to forget that this this particular Braves team has been, uh, I would say, much more resilient than other groups that they've had in the in the recent past. Um, this is the best Braves team that they've had in quite some time, um, both metrically and talent, and the way that it's bounced back and all that stuff. There were there there were certain Braves teams where it did feel like they kind of rolled over, or they didn't, or it did kind of feel like they just weren't good enough. Quite frankly, uh, this year's team has sure. been better than that, um, and that's it's important to draw that distinction as well. I think that this team has kind of shown repeatedly that they're not going to do that. Doesn't mean they're going to win, but it does mean that they're not going to go quietly, and they're not. You know, this is there have been multiple moments during this during the, this playoff run where I think previous Braves teams might have had some issues, and this one did not. There's still some randomness in there as well. It's baseball, but yeah, I think it's it's just important to keep it all in perspective, or at least try. I know fandom, is it's difficult to do that sometimes. I mean, I'm guilty of it as well, especially with teams that I follow uh, sure. and do not cover, like the Falcons, for instance. I don't cover the Falcons, and I get I get really mad sometimes, and I, and I totally get it. But I don't know. It's just interesting to me, and uh, I, didn't, I didn't mean to go sort of big picture with that discussion in that way, but it was something that was on my head, sort of in my mind, this evening. So, there you go. Um, I don't know, Rick. Let's let's take a break now, actually, and then we'll go we'll go over some nuts and bolts from today in our typical fashion, and we'll uh, we'll look ahead finally to Game Seven. So uh, we'll pay some bills. We'll be right back and uh, hold on tight. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey. 
instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. All right, Eric. We have to we have to talk about the second inning because this was the moment that uh, was probably the biggest of the game in retrospect. Um, yeah, it hurt. I, I described it as a complete backbreaker. That's the way that I said it. Um, it felt that way. Um, you know, Bueller is very good. We'll say that off the top. Um, but after giving up the three in the first inning, the Braves come up and they threaten immediately to get some of it or all of it back. A single by Darno, a single by Ozzy Albies, a single by Dansby Swanson to load the bases with no one out. Um, usually three singles in a row does just net you a run in itself, but with the way that Dansby hit his single, Darno had to hold, and that was not his fault. It was sort of a soft hit ball. It could have been caught, and Darno is not the fastest guy in the world. That was not his fault, yeah, by the way. Uh, yeah, I was about to say, catcher speed is not like something that you necessarily want to be. On that yeah. hit, I wouldn't be taking chances on that one, yeah. Yeah, I, 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 was just, I want to say that because I, it was not like – a fault of anyone's that they didn't score there. But usually, if you get three hits in a row, you score. <laughs> Just for, not always, but usually. Yeah. Yeah. And in that spot, they, it didn't happen. So, and that was nobody's fault, but it's just the way that, that, that things went. So, but still, bases loaded, nobody out. Yes, you're trailing 3 nothing, but that's a great response right off the top. And then the, the sort of floor fell out from under them in that moment. Uh, a pretty dreadful strikeout by Austin Riley, where he just was kind of non-competitive on three straight fastballs from Bueller. Um, the same from Marcakis, the next batter. He he actually struck out looking on a middle-middle fastball. Um, One of many. Yeah. I mean, it was 10 consecutive four-seam fastballs by Bueller. And yes, he's throwing 98-99. I will give him credit. He obviously has a very good fastball. He's a very good pitcher. But those two at-bats were particularly maddening. And then Pache kind of just rolls over a pretty routine ground ball um, to, I believe it was a, it was a shortstop. And you get no runs. And I sent, I sent a few texts when it was bases loaded, no outs, to some people that I talked to during games that are, um, I would say, paying close attention to the proceedings. And uh, the consensus was, you know, you kind of need to get more than one run here. Um, but one, you know, obviously is the bare minimum there with bases loaded, no outs. And come away with none there. I'm not saying they lost the game there. But they certainly, uh, that was probably, I still think, the biggest moment of the night. You know, they had some other opportunities later on to get no runs there, especially after giving up three in the first inning, which is kind of uh, backbreaking. I mean, it was pretty devastating when you kind of think about the fact that Bueller, like, he basically had to turn to just throwing four-seam fastballs and just kind of praying that the Braves couldn't catch up with any of them. Um, and, I'm, again, you kind of would hope that the Braves would be dead, sitting dead fastball if he was kind of trying to, that was his plan in that situation. Um, but Austin looked bad in his bad bat. He just seemed like he wasn't going to ever catch up with any of those pitches that he, that Bueller was throwing. And Marquecas' at-bats against Velocity have been unbelievably painful to watch. Like, truly, like, it, go look at this series, just the series, and you, I mean, you can go further back than that in the, in the playoffs. 
Look at how many like 98 mile an hour fastballs down the middle, like straight down the middle that he's just watched go by. Like it doesn't offer him at all. Like some uncompetitive at bats. Yeah. I think he's just, I think he's just old, man. I mean, I don't want to pile on, but I think he's just, he's just old and his bat's not terribly fast anymore. And you know, I'm not, we're not piling on because Riley had similar issues. I will say. Oh yeah, it, was, it wasn't good. Yeah, uh, Riley swing, but it wasn't like he was uh, close. Honestly, he got blown away in the same, in sort of the same manner. But yeah, it was those two guys in this game were a bit of a black hole, um, and that's unfortunate. Obviously, Riley hit the ball hard a couple times, and Mark Eckes didn't have the biggest hit of the night with the triple. So I'm not gonna. We're not piling on too much. But even the triple was not <laughs> yeah. was not against velocity, and it was not a uh, a. He was he didn't, he didn't uncork that one. No, I mean it was placed very well, and again it, w- it wasn't just him. The the double that brought him home from Acuna was not a rope either, um, no. and, that, and that happens. But I, I am with you. Um, it was it was frustrating to see those two guys in a row with Mar- Ryan Marquez kind of just get blown away by heat. And that, I mean I know it's some guys are really good and Buer's really good, but it is kind of a theme for Marquez. Um, and when he's able to hit off of guys who are not throwing a hundred or sort of size up off-speed stuff, he's a lot more effective. But it does it does stand to reason, just logically, that a guy who's in his upper 30s might not be able to catch up unless he's uh, guessing on that kind of heat. And that's not us trying to kill him. Um, it's just it looked like he was overmatched. And Riley had, particularly in that at-bat in the second inning, Riley had the same thing. And Riley's not, it's not age. It's the fact that um, that's been a weakness of his, I think, going back to even when he was a prospect, just the fact that his his bat he has a ton of power obviously, but he's not the quickest bat in the world necessarily. He he gets yeah. beat on fastball sometimes. Well, yeah, it's well, it's more that you know he doesn't diagnose it or like you have to really yeah. diagnose a fastball early. You know what I mean? Like it's not like he can't swing the bat physically fast enough. Sure, I think that that's something that that that's kind of a narrative that I think is a little silly. I think it's that he just doesn't realize like if you again if you don't if you don't say I'm I'm I can catch up with a fastball in time, you know what I mean? I think that he maybe waits a little bit too long and as a result, you know, can get beat at times unless he's like really like sitting dead set on fastball. So, yeah, and that's a, that's a pitch recognition thing. And that, that comes that that gets better with time um, and repetition and, but, and all that, but yeah, I mean, it was, it was a, it was a painful second inning uh, and turned out to be pretty eventful because other than like a couple, you know, really annoying uh, expected batting efforts, things happening over the next few innings, uh, not a lot else happened in the game, truthfully. Yeah, so that was the moment offensively of the whole night where it was the the biggest letdown, for sure. In the third, they did nothing. In the fourth, they got, they did get two base runners on. It was first and second after a Dansby single, and Dansby was great in this game. Um, first and second really with one out. And uh, this, is, this is one of the bad, bad things that you reference. Riley hits a 109-mile-an-hour absolute rope, but basically right at, Bellinger in center field. Nothing you can do about that. It's just baseball sometimes. Hit the ball, hit the ball great. Um, Marquecas strikes out there, and then uh, Pache, tass- uh, sorry, then Marquecas did not strike out. He misses a cutter and then taps back to the mound. I had that written down wrong. But um, that was a a threat anyway. There's a runner in scoring position with one out. Not that you're supposed to score there in the same way that you were in the second inning, but that was a, a moment that they could have gotten um, another one. And then in the fifth, we referenced it earlier briefly, but Freddie singles with two outs. Ozuna hits a ball that you know is either a double or a home run in a lot of different parks, and and Betts snares it at the top of the wall. Celebration ensues, 
and it's still three nothing. Um, so those two clearly were the next biggest ones until obviously later on uh, there was the the Ozzy mistake um, that we referenced earlier in the sixth, where he cost himself a uh, a chance to be on base. Um, people were saying that they, the Braves would have scored a run that inning if he had been on base. I'm not entirely sure that that would have happened. If you do the math on this, yes, Dansby, Dansby singled, um, but then he stole second and only got to third on an errant throw. So people were like, well, Dansby got to third, and so he would have scored. Like, no, he actually he, he stole second, which he couldn't have done if Ozzy was on, and also got to third on a error stealing second. So you can't say they would have scored a run for sure if Albies had gotten on base there. Um, I, I really hate I really hate those narratives because it, it assumes a world where like nothing changes. The, I, the, I, the, well, yeah, like the like the pitcher is pitching from the stretch and therefore like the, like <laughs> things don't you know what I mean? Like, like yeah, it's, no, it's I get a it. different thing. Yeah, it's it's just it pisses me off when things like that happen. But no, whatever. I'm actually I'm actually sympathetic to it, but in this instance, even if you were to, I'm with you. You can't assume it. Even if you did assume it, this is this is one where you you still can't get there because of the way that Dansby got to third. I know he got to third, but. He doesn't. He can't steal second base if Ozzy's standing on second base. <laughs> like that, that stuff physically right. can't happen. So, I, I, it, it would have been nice if Ozzy was on base there with one out. Um, but I, I think that's not one where you like lose the game on that necessarily. So, um, last thing on the offense, honestly, because the uh, the eighth and ninth were very, very uh, not exciting. Um, they did. They of course did. Right. They, they of course they of course did score in the seventh. Um, with the aforementioned triple by Marquecas, followed by a double by Acuna. Um, they actually had Acuna on second with one out. And given that you have Freeman and Ozuna coming up, it felt like they had a real chance to maybe tie the game or at least get within one there. Freeman, who's been really good in this series, by the way, uh, strikes out and then Ozuna flies out to leave uh, to leave Ronnie at second. So that was a missed opportunity. Would it have been? I wouldn't call that a game changer. I still think that, that the play in the second inning was a bigger moment, but uh, you can't oh, really ask for much more than a guy in second base with your two big guns coming up. It's just uh, that was their final opportunity. Yeah, uh, it was nice to see Ronnie do something. Um, I, yeah, he'd been bad for. I, for I, a while yeah, I'll, I'll keep shouting this because, like, I still get people that are like, you know, like they're either acting surprised that Ronnie is still hurt. Or like they don't believe it. They're just like, oh, he doesn't care. Or you know, he's just you know, it's the the Atlanta sports. He's choking. You know, whatever. We're gonna find out like as soon as the Braves season ends, maybe a few days. Like he's having surgery. That's what's gonna happen. And that he's able to contribute at all is frankly surprising. I and again, I I don't have anything to like share. So kind of what I think that injury is because to be honest with you, I am not anywhere close to medically <laughs> literate enough, but. I, I think he's really hurt and he's basically having a swing with one arm right now. And, you know, to get a double and to hit some of the balls, he, he's hit some balls hard too in this series. It's been kind of right at guys. Um, and it's, you know, it's frustrating because you want a guy like that to be full speed, ready to go in a very important series. But to see him kind of be able to still can kind of contribute, he's still taking, he's still getting some long at bats, drawing some walks and getting hits here and there. You know, if, you know, he can kind of power through and, you know, play through the pain that he's currently having. Like the Braves have a, a realistic shot to still do something against this Dodgers team, uh, because without him, I mean, this would feel honestly pretty dire. Yeah, and we're we're not trying to excuse make for Acuna with the injury. There was this. Oh was, no, no, there no. there was a lot of chatter about like people for some reason have just not paid attention or not understood that he's injured. And part of this 
is the Braves' general operating where they don't talk about it, and that's there's something admirable about, admirable about that. It was the same with Freddie last year, where he just kind of refused to acknowledge that he was hurt, even though he obviously was. This time, you know, Ronnie did say, and I think Snicker did as well on the record, like two weeks ago, that Ronnie was still battling pain. So this is not a huge mystery. I, granted, they weren't yeah. like they're not talking about it every night. I understand that, nor, nor should they be, but. We're not making this up. This is a situation where they, they've discussed it. I think it was like October 1st or 2nd. They talked about this on the record. And then, of course, the play the other night where Ronnie lands on his wrist and he didn't re-injure it necessarily, but he clearly was in significant pain. And that's because that wrist is already injured. Um, so we're not covering up. He, you know, he's still not been great in this series at the plate. I think it's more understandable because of the injury. But, you know, to in the same breath, I know I criticized at least partially Freddie for being really bad in the playoffs last year acknowledging he was hurt the whole time, but you still need your, your big guns to produce. And Ronnie, I think was like three for 21 before that, um, before the, before uh, mid game today. So it still matters. You need yeah. something out of him, but I'll just say this, this is, very, this is very obvious, but Ronnie at 70% is still like, you know, leaves and bounds better than what they have to have behind him. So he, oh, if he can yeah, play, absolutely. he can play, but it's just, uh, they, they need him to be good. And he was pretty, pretty good in this game. Yeah, he was, he was pretty good. Um, and just one thing to add on to like kind of the reporting earlier, I mean, like Ronnie, like even said that, you know, if for his wrist to be better, it was for him not playing, they would probably have to do something. And yeah. when he said like, do something, it's kind of implied that it was going to be a surgical thing. So like, like that, that's kind of where I'm getting all this from. Not like, you know, like this is conjecture that, you know, he's just like playing with a broken wrist or something like that. Cause that's not what I mean. It's just that, you know, he's, it's already been said now that said, again, it's just good to see him do something because, you know, when he is doing things at the top of the order, whether it be like drawing multiple walks or, you know, we're getting on base and we're making hard contact and things like that. Like this offense is different. You know what I mean? Like all of a sudden that, you know, cause he's a, he's a nightmare on the base path still, you know, like if he's at first, he gets a lot of attention. And I think that really helps Freddie and that really helps Ozuna, you know, kind of get some better pitches to hit, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, him doing stuff and getting on base is going to be a big deal. Uh, hopefully that in, in game seven, that's the case, but it was kind of nice to see him kind of get on the board tonight. Yeah, so that that was a good that was a good little thing to build on for Game Seven. The rest of the game, um, Riley did put a charge in one in the ninth, but other than that, that was kind of it. And we we would normally go over, you know, the bullpen decision making. I nothing egregious. You know, you got to O'Day for one batter. No, um, Martin pitches, and Martin did not look great in this game. Um, it's unfortunate that both Will Smith and Chris Martin have picked this time to not be their best selves. Um, we'll see what happens tomorrow when they're both available again. Um, you still have to pitch those guys regardless because they're they're your big ticket guys. But Martin was not incredible. It didn't bite them in the eighth, but he uh, he was shaky. I, that's probably fair to say. I think. Uh yeah, a little bit shaky. Um, you know, again, again, the the the, uh, the the approach from these Dodgers hitters just like they're, they're, sometimes I was just like, how are you not swinging at that pitch? Or you know, like how has he not put a ball in play yet? Like his every bat feels like it's six or seven pitches. So you know, again, some of it's just kind of a. Ha- taking their hat off to them because you know martin's still pretty filthy you know what i mean but he's just you know in terms of getting the swings and stuff like that th- these dodgers guys don't seem to be offering as much on against him he's had a few long innings against them yeah i think well he threw 30 pitches in this game like it wasn't like he yeah. was a complete disaster but just no no i think it's fair to say he was not his best self tonight and uh they're gonna need him tomorrow potentially as the entire bullpen is available so just something i wanted to circle and say out loud okay Let's look ahead briefly, of course, to the looming winner go home game seven on Sunday. It's going to be an 8-15 first pitch. So if you are someone that likes to sleep before work, before work on Monday, best of luck to you. I know I will not be sleeping. Um, 
very much. Yeah. Tomorrow night, uh, Ian Anderson is on the hill. We know that we knew that already going in. He's going to pitch Game Seven for the Braves. The Dodgers have not announced a starter yet for this game. If you remember early on uh, in this series uh, to Game Two, Anderson pitched for for the Braves, and it was it was Tony Gonsolin for the Dodgers. He would be my favorite to start. I would imagine he probably starts this game for LA, but Dave Roberts uh, was coy about it today. Um, but I'll say this now: this goes for the Braves as well. It's a game seven, and game sevens mean that weird things happen. I think I would not be surprised if we saw Clayton Kershaw for part of this game for the Dodgers. I would not be surprised if the Braves used a couple of guys who are not normally in their bullpen, uh, i.e. like Enoa or Wright or something weird. Anything could happen here. Um, you got to use your best guys because it's winner go home and there's no tomorrow. I know that it would be great to plan for the World Series, which begins on Tuesday, but neither side can really do that. Maybe if you get up like you know eight to nothing, you could start doing that a little bit. But you got to win tomorrow, and uh, I think both teams will just empty the clip basically and just do everything they possibly can to win the game tomorrow. And, and for the Braves, if that means Ian Anderson throws seven innings, that's great. If, if it means that he's a little bit shakier and they only get three or four out of him, it's game seven. That won't surprise me. Uh, you, you cannot afford to leave a guy out there that's not his best self. Hopefully he has it tomorrow. But if he doesn't, man, you got to kind of pivot. And it's it's going to seem weird maybe to especially some uh, more casual baseball fans. But if they got to go to the bullpen in the third inning, they're going to do it. Yeah, and this, I mean, same thing goes for the Dodgers. I mean, yep. you know, it's not like Gonsolin didn't look particularly awesome against the Braves, so I'm not sure that they're particularly happy that that's the guy they might have to turn to. And, and there's a lot. Look, like old friend Alex Wood might be making an appearance too. He's had a, he's had a couple of days to, to kind of not to not pitch, so he's he's a potential option too. And everything's on the table. Like everything is every, everything on the table. Like let let's get weird. Like. I think that there's a good chance that at least one team, I don't know which one, uh, ends up having to throw a bullpen game tomorrow. Uh, my guess would be, my guess would be the Dodgers, just simply because, you know, Gonsolin I think is on paper worse than Ian Anderson and has, you know, didn't look particularly great against the Braves. So I think they're more likely to pull the plug plug on him and yes. try to go to a bullpen game, which is problematic for which is problematic for them because. I mean, they they had to use some relievers tonight, and they've had you know they, they had the bullpen game before that. You know, they 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 don't the relievers certainly certainly looked good today, um, which makes me wonder how exactly how tired they must be, because uh, they they seem to like be pitching just fine. And, you know, even you know we like to make jokes that you know these guys are, have to be getting gassed, or you know they pitched four days in a row, but you know they looked good tonight. So maybe maybe that doesn't matter as much, but it seems like that they're going to have to go if they go to a bullpen. They have some guys that are pretty tired, and you know they've certainly got a lot of usage, which seems to be a slight advantage for the Braves in a lot of ways. Um, yeah, the, bull, the, bull, know, the, the bullpens. Yeah, the bullpen, the bullpen situation in this game, I think, does favor the Braves on paper. Uh, the the Braves' big guns, with the exception of Martin, did not pitch in Game Six, and I think the Braves' bullpen, as it stands right now, is probably a little bit better than the Dodgers anyway at full strength. The only thing that might swing that is that the Dodgers do have the Kershaw button they can press, um, and the Braves don't have a guy like that. The Braves cannot use like their their number one guy is Max Free, who's not pitching tomorrow. He's probably the only guy in the entire team that's unavailable tomorrow. To be honest with you, is Max Freed. So sure. um, that's a advantage back to the Dodgers. Maybe I know Kershaw has not been Kershaw in capital letters at times, but he's still a good pitcher. Um, I don't know. They have options. I. Honestly, it's going to come down to the offense, as we both said early on. 
but clearly, you know, yep. the number the number one in turn the number one pivot point in run prevention on either side tomorrow is how Ian Anderson pitches because the Dodgers don't have a starter yet. They may not. They may not. They may just go full bullpen game. But the Braves are going to try to use Ian Anderson like a starter in this game, and if they can get innings out of him, that'd be great. Um, it'll be more like. I mean, I just think they they will not treat him quite the way they did in the first start when he was obviously quite good, but um, more short leash. I think if he starts getting in some trouble, um, you'll see the bullpen firing. It doesn't mean you have it doesn't mean you have, to, you have to take him out, but this is not a normal you know July start for Ian Anderson. They're going to have him on a shorter leash than than you might expect. It would be great though if he could, if he can give them innings because for all the talk about the Braves bullpen being strong and we are definitely in that camp at least I am for sure like you are as well there are only a couple of guys that you know they're sort of in their own tier for the Braves in terms of bullpen guys you do not want to have to use some guys that the Braves have available to <laughs> to use tomorrow um yeah it, yeah, yeah, no, yeah I'm good on Grant Dayton let's laugh. yeah let's I mean guys like Dayton guys like Webb um, you don't want to have to see those guys tomorrow. Josh Tomlin, you, you do not want to see some of those guys tomorrow. It's gone very wrong if you if you see Tomlin, for instance. <laughs> yeah, the the games that those the games that those relievers are playing in are not games that you want to be watching. Yeah. So, but I mean, on the on the flip side, you get you know a presumably back, and he's not pitched in a while, but he was obviously very good. He's got high end stuff. He might play up in an interesting role. In Game Seven, uh, sure. I think Minter's going to be available after a day off today. He was, of course, very good two nights ago. You have some options there, and then of course your tra- your traditional big guns: your uh, Melanson, Smith, Martin, um, Matzik. We'll see. We'll see what they. We'll see what they do. I don't, Shane Green right. is presumably available again. Uh, I don't know, man. We'll see what happens. I, I don't really have analysis here. Um, the projection. I do. Mo- I have go one ahead. question. Yeah, go ahead. Okay. We made our picks before. Uh oh. Before the series started, I'm sticking with the Braves in seven. Uh, and again, it's 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 like fifty one forty nine for me in terms of like how I actually how strongly I feel about it. You pick the Dodgers in seven. Are you sticking with your pick? Is that what you think is going to happen, or do you think the Braves get it done? Okay, so I'll set the stage a little bit, then I'll answer your question. So, okay. the the projection models that I have seen, and granted. The Dodgers have not announced starting pitchers yet, and because of that, the betting markets, your you know your your bet online, actually they're down right now. Uh, your DraftKings, your FanDuel, William Hill, those places have not put out lines yet because they don't know who pitch, who's pitching for the Dodgers, and that does matter. So mm-hmm. take those off the board. Right. I'm talking about you know 538 for instance has I think it's like 5842 in favor of the Dodgers before tonight. Zips and a good friend Dan Zaborski, I think he had uh, he had it 56 percent for the Dodgers, 44 percent for the Braves. That was Anderson versus Goslin before tonight so a coin flip but also leaning towards the Dodgers which is what you would expect given the presumption before the series started and all that stuff I'll say this I am more confident in the Braves in game seven tomorrow than I was in the Braves winning the series before the series started does that make sense yeah yeah, so it's hard for me to it's close I it's think the very Bra- close. I, th- I think the Braves were again. I think the Braves were a bigger underdog in the series a week ago than they are right now. I do understand the Dodgers being a slight favorite, and I would be shocked if the Dodgers are not favored in Vegas tomorrow. 
um, just because of the perception and they're the hot team and the mo- all the momentum stuff that I hate. Momentum is not a thing that I care about much, uh, especially through days. You can maybe talk about it in the middle of a game, but um, overnight, I don't, I don't really care. So uh, I'm tempted to pick the Braves. I really am because I, I trust... I trust Anderson, which is, man, it's crazy because he's only had so few outings in the major leagues, but I trust him more than the big question mark at the top for the Dodgers. Here's here's the thing. I think the Braves run prevention, i.e. their pitching for Game 7, right now on paper is better than the Dodgers. Between Anderson and a fully rested bullpen with the exception of Chris Martin, the I think the Braves have a have a better available pitching staff for tomorrow. That could flip if Kershaw throws three innings of no hit baseball, which is also on the table. But that makes me more comfortable than I would be normally. You know what, Eric? Give me the Braves. I I, I think it's like fifty two. Yeah, 48. there it is. I'll, there it is. I'll, I'll go. I'll go. I'll go, I'll go. I'll go full homer. And and in this case, it's contrarian because I think a lot of the fan base is thinking that we're in deep trouble on Sunday. Um, but yeah, I, I think the Braves. You know, we both said it, but this is a this is a true coin flip. It's a one game baseball series between two good teams. Virtually anything could happen tomorrow. The Dodgers are really good. Every caveat still applies. I just think that I I, I kind of trust the Braves pitching more, and the offense. Yeah, today was bad, but I think if you look at like just the raw data of what happened between the hard hit balls and everything else, the offense was not as bad as it seemed in Game Six. So all that said, I will pick the Braves. With very little, very, very, very little confidence, but I think genuinely, I'm not. I'm not just handing it up here. I think I would, if you made me choose one for my life, I think I might take the Braves. Yeah, um, and that's kind of where I'm at too. I, I, you know, this offense, you, they've they've been held down, you know, two games in a row now, um, and three of their past four, and that's just not something that generally sticks with how this offense operates. Um, you know, I I like them. I like the matchup. I, I mean, I don't. I can't think of a matchup that they would announce tomorrow that would make me change my mind. Um, and I, you know, obviously the bullpen being rested really does matter. I like I like what the offense brings. Obviously, Cor- the Corey Seager problem is a real problem, and I think that they just don't need to pitch to that guy. If I'm just being honest about it. But um, that's, well, that, the, that's the, pro- the problem is you also have the, the top two of. I know Betts has not been incredible at the plate in this series, but Mookie Betts is a top five player in baseball and sure. you have him followed by followed by Seager. It's just kind of unfair. I know. And, and Justin Turner's been hitting the ball hard too. I mean, and look, this is the a- Braves, the Braves have a, you know, the Braves have Acuna Freeman Ozuna and those guys were three of the top 10 players in the national league this year. So it's not like they don't have their own version of that, but Seager is just so out of his mind right now that it's like kind of terrifying. I mean, it's some point has to end, but in the American league, you have Randy Rosarina who's been Babe Ruth for two weeks. So like maybe this guys are just capable of doing this now. I don't know. Yeah, it's it is it is kind of weird, but and I this is gonna sound crazy coming from me, but in a game where decisions could get weird, who do you trust to make those decisions correctly? Oh God, Dave it really Roberts is, it really is or true. Brian Snitker? We we've we've, we've come full Brian circle. Snitker. Yeah, we we've come yeah. full circle on this podcast because <laughs> we are always accused of quote unquote hating Brian Snitker, which is not true. Brian Snitker is a by, by all accounts a great guy. Uh, who we don't, who we don't hate. Uh, yeah, uh, I, I am. I'm skeptical of his tact, of his tactical ability at times, but we've said it throughout. I, th- I think, and I'll say it again now. I think Snit's done a good job in the playoffs. Not not just okay, yeah. good. There have been a couple moves I didn't like. That's what happens in a baseball in a three baseball series in a row. 
But to your point, I, I do agree. I, I, I think the Braves have a managerial advantage in Game 7 against the Dodgers. Um, Roberts, even tonight, like Roberts did a couple things tonight that just didn't, didn't make sense still. It didn't, it didn't bite him, but he's just not very good, man. <laughs> he's just not. Like it's I mean, it's it's unfortunate because everybody likes Dave Roberts too apparently and um you know he's he he's a legendary player for what he did in Boston and all that stuff but just tactically speaking he it's it's a, it honestly it's kind of similar to Snit except for worse like he seems to be beloved there um but just tactically man it's just not it's not there for him so yeah g- give me Snit it's crazy but give me Snit like I I there's just a the, these are all small edges that I give to the Braves. Uh, and you, and the, the Dodgers' offense is worth being worried about. But I, I mean, don't let's just be very clear. It's very possible that the Dodgers' offense could just come out of nowhere and just like, un, you know, we we could see another, you know, elimination game disaster of a first inning. It could happen. That the Dodgers' offense is far more likely to do so than the Cardinals' offense that did it to us, right? But I think it's. I think it's also very possible that this this Braves offense comes to play tomorrow um, and kind of breaks out in a big way. Kind of some of this bad luck that they've had, you know, kind of regresses back to the mean a bit, and then they could actually, you know, put up some put up some real numbers against the Dodgers pitching staff that is going to be a bit patchwork tomorrow. So that's just kind of where I'm at with it. I just think it, I, I, it's it's very close. And I won't be surprised at either outcome. These are both very good baseball teams. And I think that that's the important thing that everyone needs to realize is that, you know, there's no there's no super clear favorite tomorrow. You know what I mean? Like, it's not, it's no. not like you're playing against the Orioles or you're, you know, you're, you are the Orioles against like the 1927 Yankees or something like that. These are two very, very good baseball teams. Very, very good. I... I, I do understand to, to go back briefly to our conversation early in the podcast about the Atlanta sports stuff and the mojo stuff and all that stuff. Uh, I, I do understand the notion that the Braves just lost two in a row and could be crumbling as the, on the outside. I, I do understand that thought process. I really do, but I don't, I don't buy into it necessarily. And also what you just said is the right way to approach this. Uh, I use this example before the playoffs even started, but even if you were to put the Dodgers on a field with the Miami Marlins tomorrow, or a team worse than the Miami Marlins, pick one, uh, the Tigers or whoever you want to say, that team, the terrible team that we everyone agrees is terrible, would have like a twenty percent chance to win. So, yeah. the Braves and the Braves are not that team. The Braves are good. The Braves are capital G good at baseball. And even even if you think the Dodgers are better. And you pick the Dodgers, which I totally understand. It's not more than sixty forty. There's just no way. It's it's a it's a one and either, in either direction. If you if you like the Braves, that's just, it's it's the same thing. It's baseball. It's a one game sample size. And if you have teams that are anywhere close to each other, it's not more than sixty forty one way or the other. And these two teams are fairly close. You can say the Dodgers are more talented top to bottom. I said that a week ago on the preview podcast. But sixty forty is just what it is, or less. I, I mean, I. I, that's the one that I'm, I'm convinced of going in is that neither team has a huge advantage in game seven because it's a one game baseball. It's a one game baseball situation and uh, good luck, man. Baseball is random and baseball is weird and fun and terrifying and all of that stuff. And that's why we all like it and live it and do all that stuff. But uh, yeah, just buckle up. I mean, we'll be here at the end of it to talk about it. I know that much. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's been fun doing all, I mean, we've done a lot of postseason 
podcasts. Uh, and I, I do want to thank all of our listeners for listening to all of them. Uh, the support's been actually kind of crazy uh, in terms of like you know overall numbers and like you know we set we set the record for a, a month and uh, a month for pod- podcasts of the downloads uh, this month, and we're only like halfway through the month. Obviously, a deep postseason run certainly helps that cause, but you know the 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 per podcast support's been crazy as well. So thanks to all of you guys. It's been a lot of fun. I, I you know being able to chat with Brad and Scott and all those you know being able to do this all the time is it's a lot of fun. And you know to be able to kind of turn it into content that you guys enjoy is something that brings me a lot of joy too. So you know you know win or lose tomorrow. Thank you all, uh, and you know hopefully we can do a few more of these. Well said, Eric. I had nothing to add to that other than just echoing it. Thanks to everybody for listening. Please subscribe to the pod. Um, even if even if for some reason the Braves happen to lose Game 7 on Sunday, we're not going to be going away. We'll, be, we'll, we'll not be daily after that the way we have been the last three weeks or so. But uh, the podcast will continue. We will be on the same feed. So go ahead, subscribe now. Tell your friends, um, tell your enemies, tell your family, all that fun stuff. And, uh, yeah, at the very least, we'll be, at, we'll be here after the game. Um, if it's if it's a win, we'll obviously uh, set the schedule up for for the next round that we'll not speak of right now. And if if it's a loss, we'll wrap it up in some fashion and then start looking into the off season. So buckle up! Thanks for joining us as always, and we will see you after the game on Sunday. <laughs>